Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm so glad you've decided to join me for this next episode. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Lori Watley, who is a clinical psychologist specializing in the effects of excessive digital device usage. She just released her new book, Connected and Engaged, and she's here to talk about how to manage digital distractions in this day and age. So sit back, relax, and let's connect. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm so glad that you're here joining me. It's going to be a powerful discussion today with Dr. Lori Watley. She uh, has so much wisdom to share in her findings on the effect of digital technology on our brain and on our well-being. So uh, a lot of good tips in this conversation. I'm hoping it will inspire you. Um, Just before we get into that conversation, I, I suspect that one of the ways to counter all of the busyness and stress that can come from digital technology is mindfulness, the practice of mindfulness. Um, As you know, my book, Making Sense of Mindfulness, has been out for a while now, and it's one of my dreams to bring more and more mindfulness practice to our world in this day and age. And so just to let you know, in case you're unaware, there's a few new tools and resources that I've uh, released. One is the Mindfulness at Home course. This is an online course. It's 20 lessons for parents and children to engage in mindfulness practices. Um, We cover topics every week in these lessons that drip out to you. Topics like gratitude, compassion, forgiveness, self-esteem. Just little lessons that you can integrate into your week and your children can also reflect upon as well. So that's available at my website keithmcpherson.ca. Also, um, if you haven't heard, I also have an online course called Making Sense of Mindfulness. Uh, That one's geared towards adults, and it's uh, a course that will take you through the five key principles of integrating more mindfulness into your life. So I highly recommend you checking that out. There's also a good sale going on because of the COVID pandemic on that course. I want to make it as accessible as I possibly can for you right now. Um, Finally, if you're a yoga enthusiast. I just released as well uh, a series of online yoga classes uh, to help you practice yoga while at home. And if you're new to the practice of yoga, don't be intimidated. There's beginner classes on there that cater to all levels and styles of yoga. Um, There's a 30-day free trial to just get into it and uh, try it out and see if it resonates for you as well. So lots of tools and resources to check out. Also my daily intentions that come out in the morning. I send out a positive quote every morning. You can find those as well at my website. And uh, another amazing resource in our world community is Dr. Lori Watley. She's going to be sharing so many tips and tools and insights today around how to uh, limit perhaps your if you have an addiction to, to, te- to technology, how to limit your usage or how to moderate your usage to find more meaning and connection. So without further ado, everyone, I'm so excited for you to meet Dr. Lori Watley. All right, Dr. Lori Watley, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you could join us here today. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here and to get to share with you. Yeah, I've been learning so much about um, digital technology through reading your book and just the effects that it's been having on our mind and our body and our connections. I'm just curious how you got into this from being a clinical psychologist. When did this all start? Yeah, you know, it was quite interesting because I've had a therapy practice for, you know, 
years and years, right? So I, w when I decided to, I had my master's and, and, and I was practicing in Atlanta and more and more into my office, people were coming and digital distractions were coming up. Either a couple who maybe um, he was complaining because his wife was always on the phone or she was complaining because he was always watching TV or their child was having trouble uh, in school and we found out he was staying up on his, you know, um, iPad all night. So I realized this is uh, coming into my office more and more and I need a solution. I need to be able to address this, right? And so I began to do research. I was getting my doctorate and it just happened that I was having to choose my doctoral dissertation. And I thought, this is such an interesting subject. I'm already researching it to be able to help my clients in my practice. So I'm going to do my dissertation on this. And my committee enjoyed it so much that they turned it into a book. And so it was my first book, which was The Effects of Texting on the Digital, uh, on the um, Marital Relationship. Wow. And, and that was a book that is actually on Amazon, but um, full of statistics and, you know, the ways that we are affected in our relationships and in our um, work lives. And of course, physically and emotionally, we don't, we just don't stop to think about that. Yeah. I can only, I, I can only tell you from firsthand how challenging it is to navigate, especially now with even more digital technology than ever, how to navigate my relationships without checking out. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm curious too. I mean, you started this work at least 10 years ago and yeah. I'm curious what you've noticed in since then up to now, just in terms of the changes of technology and how this has affected us. Yeah. Well, I'll say um, it wasn't at, at the height that it is now when mm. I began. And it seems that this is a, a quickly moving uh, target and I have to really stay on my toes as far as researching and but you know what I'm finding is just being in my practice and seeing clients and what they're coming in with mm. that is lots of research and lots of information for me to know where we are and then of course now with this pandemic um, I've found that it you know it, it's just a whole new way of life for us how we're using our technology and um and and you know how we're using it safely yeah absolutely I, i'm curious too as you're saying that just um when you get into the research and the background around technology can you share a little bit about the science that you've learned around this just in terms of the effects that technology have on us what have you right. discovered um, there is a lot of research around this and um, much research that other researchers have done. Some I've done on my own um, and, and, you know, also knowing how it affects me personally and the, the people in my family is amazing to watch. And so if we talk about the science of it, we can look at how it affects our sleep. Well, right now sleep is essential to keep our immune system strong to fight this virus, if, if we were to get it. And um, so we want to have strong immune systems. And one way to do that is, is through sleep. But we are on our computers now 87% more than we were before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when we're on so much the blue light, 
um, interrupts uh, the production of melatonin. Melatonin is the sleep uh, chemistry in our brain, chemical that is produced in our brain. So when it becomes dark outside, our circadian rhythm takes over and our brain begins to make melatonin. So if we go to bed and, uh, and sleep between 10 and two is the very best time for our bodies to be getting the optimal um, element of sleep. So we wake up the next day and we feel rested. But if we have watched TV for an hour before bedtime or been on our laptop or the, the blue light interrupts the, you know, making the melatonin and it also stimulates our brain and interrupts our REM sleep stages. So that's just a little bit of the science. Um, There's so much. I I just absolutely. (laughs) And I talk about it more in my book, Connected and Engaged. Um, But, you know, we just have no idea how disconnected we can become from too much digital device connection. Now, please understand, I love I love technology. It's how I, I make a living. I see clients all over the world and I do it uh, from a laptop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a wonderful thing, but I use it in a responsible way and in a balanced way. Yeah. So what does that exactly mean, like to use technology in a responsible, balanced way? Well, I think we have to know how it affects us. And and that's one of the reasons that I wrote my second book, Connected and Engaged, because I felt like this is vital information that I want to share with the world. Mm-hmm. And I want I had no idea that um, the effects that it had on me when I was online too much. You know, now people are saying, oh, wow, at the end of the day during this pandemic, if I've been online all day, I feel exhausted, so much tireder than when I commuted two hours each way and interacted with people in my office all day. I'm so much tireder just sitting in a room, you know, looking at my computer. Why is that? And there's a little bit of science, you know, it does, it does, um, exhaust us for one we we need to we need to change a little bit of of the way that we um design our day right now especially during the pandemic so we don't want to sit in front of the computer all day so for me a typical day is see two clients and well first of all i get up in the morning and i don't look at technology for two hours (laughs) wow that sounds That sounds like discipline, just that. (laughs) Two hours of no technology in the morning. Yeah, because the way you start is often the way you finish your day. And when I turn on, when I pick up my phone first thing, I'm going to see something on the news. I'm going to see an email. I'm going to see a text or something on social media that's going to stress me out. Mm. And so I get to choose how I start my day. So I don't start it with my devices. Um, I, I have a nice cup of coffee, sit out. Um, do a meditation or um, take my dog for a walk. Um, I'm in an area where I can still go out and walk. Um, And then um, I'll come in and I'll start my day two hours online. Then I shut it down for 30 minutes and I might um, make a phone call to a friend or um, go have a cup of coffee with a friend we can't do that so much right now. Right in this but moment, yeah. Here I am, it's starting to open up a little more. So so I am able to do things like that. Or um, I might go, um, you know, make a pie. Uh, that's really wow. soothing. 
in the kitchen. Then I come back and I usually see two or three more clients. And then I take another break and I usually go for a bike ride. Um, and then come back and I see two more clients. So you see, I'm, I'm balancing. I'm not just sitting. Our bodies are meant to move. We, yeah. we need to move. And so I move around. I also, you see me here right now, but this morning I started out in um, my study upstairs by a window. And so I move around during the day mm. with my technology. So I'm not just sitting in one spot all day long. Our, our brain needs to feel like it's accomplishing a little movement. So Absolutely. You know, that's, that's amazing to hear the discipline that you've created in your life so that, you know, it's staggered and it's not all day long in front of a computer. Um, I imagine for most people, that's not necessarily the case these days where we're just so driven to constantly be checking our phones, our emails. How do we get to that place? Like, why are people so addicted to technology and their phones? And why is that, in your opinion? Well, you, you're you're exactly right. We are addicted. And the people who design these apps and these devices, they know exactly how to design them in a way so that we are addicted because uh, the way it's a business for them. And the way they make money is for us to stay on our device longer. Mm -hmm. And so they do whatever needs to be done. The, the like button on Facebook, that literally gives us a hit of dopamine. Right. If we um, you know, it's no different than if I were addicted to chocolate, um, you know, and I, I get that chocolate and I get that dopamine rush because that's my thing. That's my substance. So this has become a substance for much, um, many of us. And again, technology is a wonderful thing. And right now it's keeping us all connected and that's beautiful, mm -hmm. but we must regulate the way we're using it. Yeah. Well, what I'm, what I'm loving about your approach to this and just in the, the bit that I've read in your new book, I love how you correlate um, self-esteem, self-worth, like the need to be loved, even all the way down to the inner child, which I want to ask you about as well in this interview. But before we get there, just um, this this whole idea that it, it somehow plays on our self-worth. And so there's like this addiction beyond just a dopamine hit. Uh, can you share a little bit more about the perspective there that you, you write about? Yeah. Well, you know how I said in the first thing in the morning, I don't really want to pick up and look at social media because that, that sets the pattern for the rest of my day. So let's say I pick it up and I look at social media and I see a friend who had a party last night and didn't invite me. Yeah. Um, well, that's going to hurt my feelings and, and that's going to kind of set my mood for the rest of the day. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I, I, I'm going to be a little upset about that realistically. Yeah. Um, so we, and then it constantly, it, you know, we, we, we compare ourselves to people online constantly and we do it and don't even realize that we're doing it. And it's just constantly chipping away at our self-esteem and our, our confidence. And so, um, and I tell people, you know, I have some people during this pandemic who have, their anxiety levels have gone so high and they're, they're, um, you know, just their paranoia about the world and the safety. And I tell them, don't watch the news right now. Don't watch the news. If, you know, tell a family member if there's something really important that you need to know, then have them let you know. But, you know, but many of us have that fear of missing out. So we think we, we can handle it and we'll watch it. But really, it's just a lot of negativity, just and, and 
you know, it's kind of like programming our brain for that. Yeah, right. It almost gets to the point sometimes, and I can speak from my own personal experience that, you know, it, that fear of missing out, like you say, and there's there's other, I believe, unconscious patterns that are pulling me to want to go check the phone. What are some of those that you see like in your clients and just in general? Absolutely. Well, um, the, the, the like button there again, you know, that can be addictive and we post a picture and then we go back in 30 minutes and say, Oh, did I get any likes? Oh goodness. I got 30. Oh, that's great. In an hour, I'm going to check again. And then when I pick it up to check it, I go down the rabbit hole because then something pops up and I follow that. And two hours has passed and I haven't done any of the tasks on my list for today. So I start feeling a little negative about myself and about, you know, the fact that I haven't followed through and, and unconsciously, you know, and, and not feeling real positive. Hmm. So somebody walks into your office and they say, well, they might not necessarily say up front, I've got an addiction with technology, but you quickly realize that this client sitting across from you does like, how do you start moving them into a, a better balance? Like, I mean, well, you, some of the suggestions you said, but how do you actually, I mean, we're talking about addictive behavior, I suspect, with some of this technology. And you have to realize that, you know, that that, that can that can be on, on this end of the spectrum all the way to the very worst. Right. Okay? Yep. So it depends on when they come in. Maybe even someone with anxiety. That's the number one reason people come to see therapist is because of anxiety. And so if I, if I ask the right questions, um, I might find out that they, uh, are on their phone a lot. Um, um, you know, they, they get up in the night, they can't sleep well at night when we sleep is when our brain heals from the anxiety of the day. And if we're up and we, we can't go back to sleep and we look at our text, um, and we get, something negative, then we're not going to sleep the rest of the night. And that kind of snowballs the next day. Right. So then we have another anxious day and then that can just build. So helping people understand the simplicity of, of, um, put your phone in another room at bedtime. There's tons of studies about this and just having the phone in the same room with you can interrupt your sleep. Wow. That's such a great tip. <laughs> Just put your phone in another room as simple as that. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Wow. I'm curious too, like just um, in regards to, because you get into it a little bit in your book as well, like relationships in general and just the effect that that's having in our culture, the technology and relationships. I, I, you painted a perfect scenario of most couples where, you know, they sit down for dinner and they're just completely enthralled with anything but each other. <laughs> Well, I have lots of experience of hearing those stories as well as living those stories in my own home, you know? I mean, so I think the digital distraction, it affects these relationships. It's interesting. I don't, have you heard the word fubbing? No, I haven't. P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G. It is a word I didn't come up with it, but someone in the digital distraction world came up with it. And it's similar to snubbing. So let's say I'm at dinner with you and I'm distracted and I'm not able to focus on our conversation or on you, then I'm snubbing you. Well, have you ever been with someone for coffee and they're looking under the table at their phone or they're, um, you know, 
you can just tell they're distracted by it. Um, and so we know that the digital distraction is really affecting our focus and our concentration. It's hard for people to have conversations now, mm -hmm. harder than ever. Mm -hmm. um, and much of it is because of our digital distraction. We know that it affects our focus and it affects our concentration. Yeah. So what do we do about that dynamic in terms of building greater connection between each other now that it's so easy to just fob, like you say, <laughs> out of the way? How do, we, how do we start building towards more connection again? Well, I always recommend, and we do this in my own home, you know, no, no digital devices at mealtime, mm. no digital devices at the table. If you're on a date with, with your spouse or, uh, or a, a, a date, a partner, then um, I recommend not taking your phone. Um, and that is really hard for a lot of people. And the harder it is, probably the more significant it is for you to leave it at home. Um, it's, I mean, who would have ever thought that my competition with my spouse would be his cell phone, right? Yeah. But many people feel that way. Um, I had my children, I, this was an eye opener for me. And this was my, you know, this was deck a couple decades ago one of my kids said to me when they got in the car with me after school mom will you not answer your phone today when you're driving us and oh. I felt so bad I realized like when you are in the car with your kids or anyone that is the best time to have undivided attention and we lose that wonderful opportunity when we pick up our phones or we turn on those TVs on the back of our seats for our kids to watch TV in the car. I mean, in the car with my kids during carpool was when I really learned a lot about their day, about their friends, about what was going on in their lives. It was just a wonderful opportunity. And the same if we're in the car with a friend. Um, you know, I know what it's been like to be driving with someone and they, I'm driving and, and want, looking forward to a conversation, but they're texting and they're talking and then they talk, they actually make a call when, when we're, you know, and I'm just like, you know, Hello. Wow, <laughs> I feel very dismissed right now, yeah. you know? So I think, um, I, I think that too much digital device use is, is really amplifying the challenges mm -hmm. that we have in our relationships right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on this. I was at a conference recently and I was sharing the stage with uh, not the actual Dr. Phil McGraw from TV, but another surprisingly Dr. Phil up here, okay. up here in Canada. And he was, he was also speaking to the similar topic that you, you speak on, just this idea of technology really t overtaking us. And he compared it to like the new uh, cocaine, really. Like he was just talking about that addictive quality that's just so in us. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've also heard it um, being, being compared to, to cigarettes because you know how, when they came out, everybody said, Oh, they're not bad for you. They're great for you. And you know, one, there was one ad even about how healthy it was for you to have a cigarette. And now we know, you know, what tobacco um, does to our health. Yeah. And also, the other way that digital devices are unhealthy is that we sit a 
a long time and we're not moving our bodies. And, and we sit and we watch TV and we have, you know, usually potato chips or some sort of unhealthy snack. Right. And then we start binge watching, you know, how shows now, um, they, they go, um, from, from one episode to the next. Oh, it like was so break. quick. It's just a hook. <laughs> totally. I have when I had this the other night, he's like, Oh my gosh, how do we watch three episodes? I'm like, Oh, it just goes automatically. Yeah. It's just like watching your yeah. life float by. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And then you don't get the things that you wanted to do done. And then, you you know, it just kind of snowballs. But, yeah. Well, um, well, this this Dr. Phil was pointing towards something that I believe that you do too in your book, at this whole idea of meditation. He was saying that this is one of the key ways to counter this whole thing. And for the common person, I mean, meditation, we hear the word, but a lot of people don't really know what that means or what the practice is. And I'm curious from your perspective, what that means or what that might look like. Right. Well, mindfulness, which is equal to meditation for many, um, mindfulness practice is one of the very best tools that we can have, especially for anxiety or depression. And, um, because often when we're anxious, we're looking ahead to the future mm. and that causes anxiety. If we're depressed, it's because we're looking back. But mindfulness teaches us to be present right here, right now. And so it's a wonderful tool to keep us in the right here and the right now. And it helps us with the technology effects because we aren't flexing that, that muscle um, of remembering like can you remember phone numbers very rarely phone numbers i can't remember them anymore because i don't use that muscle right um and so we we if we practice mindfulness it helps us with our concentration and our focus uh, so what what is exactly the tool of mindfulness like how does one begin practicing that yoga pilates that helps with that huh. um, but there are a lot of apps that help you with this so if we're a beginner and we're just learning we can actually um calm is a really good app i think it was the number one mindfulness app last year yeah. so calm and then um we um I'm trying, insight timer is really good uh, it used to be free. I'm not sure if it still is, but, and then of course we can Google and there are many exercises online. Um, <laughs> there is, um, there is good that comes, you know, from technology that, that we can, we can, and, you know, sitting and working all day on the computer and then switching over and, uh, maybe doing a, a, a mindfulness exercise online, you're using a different part of your brain. And so it is a little different and can actually be a little more refreshing. But the, the good thing about all this, Keith, is that we can, we can be more productive and more creative hmm. if we pattern our, our day in the proper way and include the mindfulness. It's restorative. Right. Um, and then, and then go outside, take a walk, get 20 minutes of sunshine. We can actually work longer and harder and um, better if, if we are not just sitting in front of the computer the whole day. I love that. One of my teachers, Wayne Dyer, used to say, you'll accomplish more by trying less, like the energy that it takes to just be always distracted and on and going just to, to take that pause or that 
break from the technology, like you say, you end up accomplishing more. What a gift to be taught by Wayne Dyer. That's wonderful. Yeah, he's definitely been one of my huge influences over the years, for sure. Sure, I'm sure. I'm I'm curious from you, just back to this piece of the inner child as well. I just absolutely loved that part of your book when you started talking about how each one of us has an inner child in us and would love to hear just firsthand here since we're together. What does that yes. mean exactly? I, I think I think uh, many therapists lean into inner child work. Um and you know we, it looks a little different for all of us, but, but I had a, a mentor one time that gave me a book, um, called, um, the magical child within. And it, it is just the epitome of the inner child work because so many times the past is present in our lives and it's just kind of peeling back the layer and seeing how the past is present. Like, I like pickles. How did I ever learn about pickles? How did I know that, you know, how to, how, so why do I know that I like pickles? Did my mom tell me to like them or did my mom serve them with every meal or did, and you just learn about your preferences and your behaviors um, through inner child work. You, you learn to heal that inner child with you uh, that's within you. And um, for many, that is just, you know, life-changing healing. Mm. Yeah. I just, uh, there was like a few questions in the book too. They wrote them down because they were so powerful around this. Um, you were talking about uh, how did you know your parents loved you was one of the questions that you spoke about. And then um, the need to gain their love. How did you know how to gain their love? And um, how, do, how do you express love? And how do you give or receive love? And I just imagine this yeah. all dates back to an early age for somebody. Like we talk about this past childhood experience. Absolutely. I remember, you know, that question seems so benign. How did you know your parents loved you? Yeah. But, you know, it's really important because it has so much an effect on us as adults and how we engage in our relationships. Hmm. And let's say I'm working with someone who might have an avoidant attachment style. We can kind of understand through the way that they answer that question, how they were loved and how they knew they were loved. Um, it was it because when they fell and skinned their knee, their mom scooped them up and held them and loved them and comforted them. Or was it um, because they were told, but never actually felt it. Right. Um, so, so much information is within the answer to that question. Oh, powerful. And when you think about just the past and uh, like the childhood piece, the correlation to how we get hooked into technology, can you speak a bit about that connection? Absolutely. I think um, loneliness, you know, for many, um, as I, I say in the book and, and I, I say a lot, in, in my talks, you know, we are wired as human for connection. And for some of us, we are so disconnected that we don't understand that connection um, with someone online is not the same as in person. Mm -hmm. A like on Facebook is not the same as a hug or love in person at all. Mm -hmm. And um, learning to understand 
what it feels like to sit with someone and, and, you know, hold hands with someone or look into someone's eyes and, you know, the, the chemical reaction of that in your body is, is so significant. Um, I think, um, and, and I think some people, they may go online because they're, they're starving for wisdom or they're starving for connection. But what happens is they just get deluged with data, with mm-hmm. the d- data online. And so the data, it, it's not the same uh, as, as being in a real interactive relationship. Wow. That's so powerful what you're saying and so true that the majority of our world right now is just totally feeling lonely, especially now with this COVID pandemic, just isolated and this this need to be connected. Can you speak to just like how are about the brain, like the brain being wired for human connection as well? Because I know that your research gets into that. Yeah. Well, obviously that's how we perpetuate the, the, you know, um, our, our humanity is, is, is through connection and finding that mate and connecting and, and, and making more humans. Right. And so we're kind of wired for that. We're wired to have that interaction and it, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily happen when we're online and we have information overload or um, it's not at all the same. Mm. And, and we are right now, um, if, I mean, we are isolated. And of course I'm telling people now, go online, FaceTime with someone once a day. It's so healthy right now Um, because we're missing, we're missing those touches. Um, We're missing the the eye contact. We're missing um, just sitting with someone. Yeah. And even before the pandemic, I sense that in some ways we're missing out on that already. So it's just been escalated in the time that we're in. Wow. I send send my clients out all the time to do research. I tell them, don't believe me. I want you to try this for yourself. So today I want you to go to the coffee shop and I want you to leave your phone in your office desk or leave it, you know, in your backpack, zipped up or whatever. Don't have your phone out when you're in line because... When you're in line, what are we doing? We're looking down. We're not in. I said, that's a wonderful time for you to go engage with someone. You might meet a friend. You might make a friend. You might make someone's day just by smiling at them. And um, so I, I'll, I'll challenge people to do that. And they come back and they go, that was so hard. I felt so awkward without my phone. Like I was the only one in line that didn't have my phone out. It was so awkward. And, uh, but, but after, you know, they end up really enjoying it. They say like, I felt like I, I enjoyed my 30 minute coffee break from work because I, I was not distracted and I wasn't having information overload. We have so much information coming at us all the time when we're online all the time that, you know, we just, that's another reason we, we close our computers at the end of the day and we're like, whoa, I'm so tired. It's different than when you're having those one track conversations in your office, you know, with one person and, and it's just the two of you, that's different than, 
than what we're doing online right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, as you're saying it too, something else I'm aware of is just how much guilt can accompany somebody that is not online, or sort of like this feeling of, of overwhelming guilt, like I should be answering the email right now, or I should be online making sure that I'm not missing out. Or how do you, how do you help somebody through that, like that sort of guilt or that feeling of the, the missing out piece? Like, how do you help them? Well, I think there's a certain personality profile that, that has the FOMO, um, mm. you know, and, and, um, I'm, I'm part of that. I, you know, I love to see what's going on and, but, but I learned a really important lesson by leaving my phone at home. Um, when I run errands, um, I learned that what I'm missing out isn't nearly as important as what I'm doing when I'm engaged, when I'm connected and engaged and really having a conversation with the lady in line at the grocery store and really looking into somebody's eyes and, and smiling and talking to them and maybe uplifting their day and uplifting mine as well. You know, that is so much more important than all of the superficial stuff that I'm really, you know, we can live our lives through watching people online, enjoying their lives hmm. on Instagram or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we can just do, watch that all day and we have missed out on a full day of our own activities. <laughs> Absolutely. One thing I'm appreciating about you as you're, you're sharing all this too, is I can only imagine with the kind of schedule you have, seeing clients, doing interviews on major places like Fox News, coaching like or, or working with like CEOs and families. And I mean, that's got to be a lot going on in your life. And what I'm appreciating about you is just how you're speaking to the balance, like to, to self-care so that you can yeah. be of service to your clients. Balance is absolutely everything. And it would not be fair to my clients and to the people that I work with who pay me. It would not be fair if I were distracted or disconnected. And that's one of the reasons that I'm very careful to begin my day in a calm manner um, to, and to you know, inject throughout the day peaceful exercises yeah. um, that help me be focused and help me be concentrated. So I don't give my too much of myself away online yeah. because we do, that's what we do. We give ourselves away. Right. And it, it's not, a, it, it's not, a you know, we're not going to ever get anything back from that really. Isn't it's true. I, you're also reminding me about the part in your book that you speak about boundaries and the power of saying no. <laughs> How does that play yeah. into all of this? No is wonderful. That is a wonderful word. And it, I, I was, I was just telling the client this morning, no, you know, he was having trouble saying no. And I said, well, I want you to understand that no is as good for the person you say no to. You're actually helping them learn boundaries and you're helping them learn limits and you're not enabling them. Um, in unhealthy ways. So no is a beautiful word and it's a gift for mm. me and for you to be able to say it. Why is there like this sort of conditioned uh, negativity around the word that we come in almost into the world with? Yeah. You don't say no. Like, why is that? Absolutely. We, we do. I mean, I think culturally saying no, is just, some people think it's rude or it's, it's unkind, but um, as Brene Brown says, clear is kind. 
and no is clear. Mm. Um, you know, it, 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 there are people that say no, but then they, they, they don't, or, or they say yes, and they really wanted to say no, and they don't actually follow through. And that's not really kind. I would rather just say no from the beginning and um, be transparent with other people. That's, that's a lot kinder. Right. Yeah, I love it. I, I love this boundary setting piece too, when it comes to technology, like saying no in the morning, like you say to your phone or saying no in the middle of the day to just filling up the space. Like this can be such a diverse practice that you suggest in the book. Absolutely. And you know, when I go into to um, companies and work with them, um, one of the things I help them do is learn that they get to say no as far as their emails go. They can go in in the morning, check their emails, and then have a notification that says, I won't be checking my email again until this afternoon. So you won't hear back from me until this afternoon. No worries. I will get back to you. But during the day, I'm productive and creative. And so I don't I don't allow email interruptions because you know what it's like to be uh, every time that we are online doing one thing and we get a notification about an email it takes 20 minutes to refocus. Oh, really? Doing. To completely refocus, it takes 20 minutes. If we go off onto this email and check it, oh, it won't take me but a minute. And, and so to really get back into what we were doing um, takes time. Well, imagine the lost time there. And we're much more productive if we work smarter. And working smarter, check your emails in the morning, maybe from nine to 10, and then again from four to five. And then that's it. Like it really, that. you will retrain, you will train people to know, hey, she won't get this and, you know, she won't get back to me until tonight, but she will get back to me. Right. I love that. You're training the people around you in your life to uh, to be in conjunction with your pattern, so to speak. Or Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. These are such great tips you're giving. I just absolutely love it. Um, one final thing I'm curious about, just in terms of somebody that's like hearing this for the first time and they don't even realize that they're addicted to the phone. <laughs> they don't realize that any of these patterns are going on. Um, just right now, like what, what advice would you give them as sort of a starting place to just, you know, begin well, this practice? I, I have free assessments on my website so people can go on and, and it scores them and will tell you, you know, about your, your usage. Um, DrLoriWatley.com. So there's one for businesses and one for families, which can also be individual. Um, so those are there. Uh, but I always tell people, if you really want to know, uh, try to put your, your device away for a little while. Like say, I'm going to put it away for 30 minutes. And or try, I went the first time that I tried this, I went to the grocery store without my phone. I felt lost. <laughs> I, felt, I did. I felt so lost. And just my nervous system was just on red alert. But now I don't take it at all. And it feels so good. And I feel so liberated. And you actually calm your nervous system down when you're not, you know, those those constant pings and notifications and dings. And um, it's kind of like having somebody walk around behind you pulling on your shirt tail all day long. Right. You know, what distraction that would be. And by the end of the day, you're just like, ah. And so that's why we feel like this. Um, go take a walk without your phone. See what that feels like. 
Yeah. I suspect at first for a lot of people, it would be quite difficult and painful, like you say, but the, the, the long-term effect is really, you know, like you're saying, more energy, more focus, Absolutely. more clarity. Absolutely. You have to do it about three times before you're comfortable with it. Wow. It really reminds me of like um, breaking a habit. It really does. And just, you know. Yeah. It, it, that's exactly what it is. Wow. This is so great. I want to encourage people to pick up your book, Connected and Engaged. It's uh, it's really worth the read, and it'll really get you thinking about your lifestyle when it comes to technology. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I can't thank you enough for putting this work out in the world right now and reminding us all that we need to be more aware of how we're showing up. Thank you. Thank you, Keith. Yeah. I, I appreciate you reading my book and sharing. And I tried to make it a book that was not just about technology. You know, there's there's so many interesting chapters, like you mentioned, the inner child work and the, the the focus work and the sleep chapter. But the thing is, is that we have to be disconnected for all of those chapters to work in mm. our lives. Right? Absolutely. I love that. And one other thing about your book I loved was just how you incorporated uh, stories. So it's not just like all this like scientific research. You really made it a personal read. So uh, anyone that picks up this book, they're, I think they'll be very inspired because you come from a real heart place as well, which I loved. So thank you for uh, that. Thank you so much. Well, I think um, storytelling just helps so many of us relate. Yeah, it really does. Absolutely. And and today I just thank you for sharing your story on the podcast and being here. And I will send people to your website and uh, in the in the notes as well. And just thanks again for sharing and all of this wisdom with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Wow. Well, I hope that inspired you as much as me. I think my biggest takeaway is I need to start practicing and integrating putting my phone away more often, like consciously, just putting my phone away and being present in every single moment that I can. sounds like there's a lot of really good benefits to that. I hope that inspired you and uh, I hope that you'll also consider finding that balance so you can bring more connection into your life. Until next time, everyone, thanks for tuning into the podcast today and we'll check in on the next episode of Let's Connect.